Good morning, East Point Church. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. So as we uh, look at simple prayer this morning, I want to lay out for you that prayer is simple. It's simple whether we know it or not. It's simple whether we experience it or not. But one of the things we find when we come to prayer that makes it complicated is that we use words and phrases to talk about prayer that can intimidate us. One of those, one of those words is, is a prayer warrior. When we, when we say that, we, we think of this person that prays all the time. And we seek out prayer warriors because we believe they can get a word in when we can't. And this follows our, our, our sermon from Pastor Phil last week on simple prayer. That God doesn't listen to special performers. People who have performance greater than others. Like we, we come in Christ and in him we have access to the Father. There's no one that has greater access over another because they pray more than you do. We complicate prayers when we, when we focus on the prayers of others. We, we get intimidated. Most of us, if I asked you to pray right now in public, you'd be shaking because you're not thinking about praying to the Father. You're thinking about what others are going to think about how you pray. So we complicate prayer in these ways. We, we complicate prayer 
when we think of our, our, our sin. We, we fixate too much on passages that, that tell us how our prayers can be hindered. For example, 1 Peter 3, 7 says that a husband's prayers can be hindered based on how he treats his wife. We hear that and we, we fixate on whether or not God hears us. And so we make prayer not about praying to our Father. We make prayer about does God hear us? Are my prayers bouncing against the ceiling? Does he actually hear me? This is how we complicate prayer. We, we complicate prayer and our postures in our, in our places. We say things like bow your heads and put your hands together and let's pray. What's the, what's the universal symbol for prayer? If somebody texts you to pray for me, what do you send back to them? The praying hand emoji. We complicate prayer in thinking that we must pray in a certain posture in a certain place. Jesus teaches us, he, he, he teaches on prayer and he says that we should go into our closet and pray. And we, we make that an opportunity for legalism. Jesus is emphasizing the, the importance to pray in private, not in public. But we turn that and say, now you got to have a prayer closet. Everybody must have a prayer closet. Well, what if you don't have a closet? What if you find yourself outside and you need to pray and there's no closet? Can you not pray? We make prayer, we complicate prayer with all these different things. The simple truth is that you can pray. You can pray anywhere at any time. There are no special postures. There's no, there are no special rooms to pray in. All these things might help us, but they don't help God hear you. Prayer is simple. And this is what we're going to learn from Jesus this morning, the simplicity of prayer. And so in this passage this morning, we see Jesus teaching us on prayer. He gives them two things. He gives them a simple prayer, and he also gives them a simple promise. In our text this morning from Luke 11, we find Jesus praying. We aren't told what he's praying for, but what we learn about prayer, we, we learn from a person who prays. The fact that we find Jesus praying in our passage this morning should be no shock to us. Jesus always prayed. Immediately after Jesus was baptized by, by John the Baptist, Jesus prayed. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying. Think about this. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus spent a whole night in prayer before selecting his disciples. Mark 1.35 says that Jesus got up early to pray. Before his transfiguration, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And one of the most famous instances of Jesus' prayer is, is found in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, before his uh, arrest and, and crucifixion, uh, prays. And we find Christ on a cross praying for us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so when we think of all of what Jesus did, all of his teachings, all of his healings, making disciples, everything he did, Jesus prayed more than all those things. Jesus embodies prayer for us this morning. And so as, as Jesus teaches his disciples on prayer, as he teaches us on prayer this morning, he's not giving us a theoretical lesson or teaching on prayer. We're learning from someone who prayed all the time. Perhaps this is why his disciple came to him and asked him, 
Jesus, can you teach me to pray? I, I want to pray like you pray. Perhaps this disciple was perplexed, like, Jesus, why do you need to pray? You heal the sick, you raise the dead, you, you turn water into wine. You have power. Why do you pray so much? And simply put, if Jesus thought it important enough to pray early and often, then there we find a lesson for us. Jesus knew something about prayer that this disciple wanted to know. Jesus experienced something in prayer that this disciple wanted to experience. And Jesus, as it was his custom, he begins to teach, begins to teach us on prayer. And so Jesus, in, in teaching this simple prayer, he starts with the word Father. This is critical for our understanding in prayer that we recognize that God is our Father. Think about this. To start a prayer with our Father is to proclaim the gospel in one word. As us, that, that we, like to, we like to end our prayers in Jesus' name. We, we find, you know, strength in that legalism to end all of our prayers in Jesus' name. Think about this from the beginning. When you say, Father, you're already praying in Jesus' name. Our Father in heaven is only true of those who have Jesus as their brother. The family of God is made up of those who have received Jesus. This is what we find in John chapter 1. In verse 12, it tells us that all who received him, who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so as Jesus gives us these words to pray, he, he gives us the important truth that as, as a father, we come to him as children. That's what prayer is about. Prayer is about coming to our heavenly father. This is the simplicity of prayer, that children would come and ask their father for help. And what we find in Jesus' prayer, as he instructs us to keep his name, to, to pray that the Lord's name be, be hallowed, be holy, is that we would pray for God's name to be, to be great and be glorious and be honored. Now think about the simplicity of prayer in this. All the names that we find of God in the Old Testament. Jesus doesn't teach us you got to write down all these names and memorize them and know all of them so that you can call them whenever you need them. He doesn't teach us that we have to call him according to a certain name, according to a certain request. He covers all of that in one word, Father. That as children, we come to him as our Father. Jesus, in in Continuing with this model, prayer teaches us that our father is also a king. And he has a kingdom that is coming. And we are to pray for our father's kingdom to come. The, the fact that we pray to a king sets the context for his ability to provide. You don't just come to a father who's your father that can't provide. He's a king. The whole earth is his jurisdiction. So whatever we pray to him, he has the power and the ability to answer our prayers. In thinking of our, our father, who is, who is a, a, also a king, we, we come to him and we ask for provision. As children, we, we come, as our children come and ask us for food, so we come and ask our heavenly father for food. Our father, who is, who is king, he provides our daily bread. And as Jesus continues with this simple prayer, 
he teaches us that our greatest need is that our sins be forgiven. This is what Jesus is teaching us when he, he calls us to ask that our sins be forgiven. Our father is a king, and this king is also holy, and therefore we must come to him addressing our sin. Remember what we said earlier about our prayers being hindered and we fixate on those things? Jesus answers all of that in this prayer. You come to your father and you ask that your sins be forgiven. Done. Finished. No longer are your prayers hindered. So you don't have to fixate on how you're treating your wife or how you're treating your neighbor. Just come to him and be honest with him. Father, I've sinned against my wife. I've sinned against my neighbor. Would you forgive me? Done. It's over with. You're forgiven. That's how simple prayer is. And Jesus simplifies prayer in that all that you need to know about prayer is that you would pray these words. We ask for forgiveness of sins, and we ask him that we would extend that forgiveness out to everyone else. And to, to finish up Jesus's simple and model prayer here, we, we ask not only that our sins be forgiven, not that we, we also would extend that forgiveness out to the world, we ask him that we would go and sin no more. This is what we ask when we ask him to lead us not into temptation. We've confessed our sins, and now we are asking him, Father, would you empower me to go and sin no more? Would you lead me, and would I follow you? Again, that's it. That's it. That's how simple prayer is. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're looking at this prayer, and you're realizing this prayer is incomplete. This is not the same prayer that we just recited earlier. There's some words that are, that are missing here. Why does Luke's account of the prayer not include the same words that we get from Matthew 6? Why does Luke's prayer not include the same words that we get from the old King James? I think there's one important lesson to be learned from the differences we find in Luke's prayer here. The point is this. The power of prayer is not found in prepositions and phrases. Prayer is not about rhetorical skill, but it's about a relationship. Never underestimate the power of a short prayer. What you pray is important. It's important. He gives us words to pray. But what's most important is that you pray. We see this that in that Luke's version uh, that the Lord's prayer is shorter. If, if words were essential, Jesus would have to say, every time you pray, you have to say these words every single time. He doesn't say that. In fact, elsewhere, Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Again, prayer is simple. It's not about putting together the right phrases. Elsewhere, we, we find Jesus teaching that our Father knows what we need before you ask him. Think about this. Prayer, prayer is so simple. Babies can do it. When you think about an infant, when you think about a baby, they're crying, and their parents know what they need. I know the type of cries that my children give out, whether it's a fake one, whether it's one of, I need, I need my diaper changed. My two-year-old, he wakes up, we change his diapers, we, you know, he exchanges hugs, hugs and kisses, and he usually each morning says one word, 
cereal. <laughs> and he just keeps saying it. Cereal? 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 And what do we know? We know that he's asking to eat. That's how simple prayer is. That's what Jesus is teaching us this morning. It's as simple as saying one word to the Father, and the Father knows what you need. Would you say it to the Father this morning? Bread. Bread? Bread? Got any bread? Your heavenly Father knows what you need. This is the simplicity of prayer. And so Jesus, as he continues in teaching on prayer, he's given us this simple prayer. He's given us these words to pray. But then he transitions in his teaching to give us a simple promise regarding prayer. He gives us this simple promise. He he teaches prayer through a, a, a hypothetical scenario. And Jesus asked his disciples, if, if, you know, paint this, you know, think about this picture with me. If you had a friend and you know that he had, you know, bread that you needed and it's midnight and someone has come on a journey, they've come to your house and, and you don't have anything to offer them. And so you go to this friend's house and you're, you're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking on the door and this friend would say to you, go away because it's late, my kids are asleep, I'm not about to wake up my kids. If I wake up my kids, you're not going to be around to put them back to sleep, so you need to go away. I think what's interesting in this this picture that Jesus paints is that Jesus, this is Jesus' account, this is Jesus' story of asking for a friend. Some of us might might know that that phrase, that that reality of when when you actually need something and you're asking, but you you don't want to ask for yourself, so you say, Man, do you know of anybody that, that can, you know, repair my car? Like a friend of mine, he needs, he needs his car. He needs his car fixed. I'm, I'm asking for a friend. This is Jesus' scenario of asking for a friend. You think about this person. You think about this person in this story. He's not only going because he needs bread for his friend. The truth is that he needs bread. He says, I have nothing to put before them. So not only am I, is my friend hungry, I'm actually hungry. And I'm using this opportunity to feed my friend to actually feed myself. Notice this, the the solution that Jesus gives to this dilemma. Jesus says, but even if he won't give you what you need because you are his friend, he will give you what you need because you continue, you persist, and you persevere in asking him. At some point, you can wear down your friend by knocking on the door because he realizes if I don't answer this door, this guy is not leaving. And so if bread is what he needs, bread is what he'll get. And so from here, Jesus drives home the promise of prayer. And Jesus actually doubles down on it in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. And then he states it a second time by saying, For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Prayer is that simple. Prayer is children going to their father, asking and receiving what they ask for. Seeking and you finding what you're looking for. 
knocking and the door being open to you. This is the simple promise of prayer that we find in Jesus this morning, that prayer is as simple as asking and receiving. You think about this prayer. Prayer is the context where our faith is met with sight. We ask in prayer. We seek independence of our Father, and we trust him in our knocking. And we are met with the sight of receiving. We are met with the sight of of finding. We are met with the sight of the door being open. The unknown meets the known. Is that not what answered prayer is? You're praying and then you're met with the sight of God answering your prayer? That's encouraging to me. I don't know about y'all this morning. That prayer is the context where our faith meets sight. This is the promise that Jesus extends to us in prayer. Now, for many of us, we've heard this before. We've probably heard numerous sermons preached on asking, seeking, and knocking. But have you, have you considered that, that asking, seeking, and knocking is actually an escalation in activity and involvement? Asking is one thing, but seeking is more involved. And knocking shows our desperate need. This isn't polite knocking. This isn't the kind of knocking where you're, you're knocking not sure whether somebody is there. This is that knocking like where the person comes to the door and they look at you like, why are you knocking on my door like this? This is, this is what Jesus is, is pleading us to, is teaching us to do in prayer, that we would knock confidently knowing that our Father would hear us. Asking involves our, our voice, seeking and, and, and moves us in our feet and our eyes to look, and we knock with our, with our whole being. In prayer, Jesus is asking, is, is teaching us to bring our whole selves to our Father in prayer. And so when, you, when we think about Jesus' promises here, I know for a lot of us, we, we have this yeah, but moment. Okay, Jesus, you're saying, you know, this is, this is simple prayer. This is, prayer is easy. I ask and I receive. I seek and I find. That sounds all sweet and all, but that's not how I feel. You go through this, this passage and Jesus says, would a father give his son a, a, a serpent instead of a, a fish when he asks? Yet in some of our experiences, that's what we feel like. God, I asked you for a fish and it feels like you gave me a serpent. And so how do we respond in prayer when we find that our prayers are delayed and denied? I think Jesus addresses our concerns about prayer in verses 11 through 13. He he creates his case for the promise of prayer from a lesser to greater vantage point. And Jesus is saying even friends are annoyed uh, to, to meet your needs when you persist in prayer. And what God shows us, what Jesus shows us here is that when we pray, we're not praying to a friend who is who is asleep at night that don't want to get up and, and answer us. We're praying to a good, good father. And Jesus reintroduces this idea of how fathers treat our children. We pray to a good, good father, a father that is better than all earthly fathers, a, a father who knows how to give good gifts because he knows what we need before we ask him. As we think about 
this time of year, we're leading up to, to Thanksgiving, which some may consider, you know, Christmas Junior or, or Christmas light. Uh, you go into all the stores, all the trees up, everything's lit, and there's no mention at all of Thanksgiving. But in this time of year, we're reminded of, of gifts. We're reminded of gift giving. And we, we see when we walk into Target, they have these sections of, of, of gift wrapping paper. You can buy all this paper to wrap all your gifts. I, I know for me, I'm reminded of Christmas time when I would receive gifts that were double and triple wrapped. One, so that if I tried to break into it, I wouldn't see what it was. But also that there's, there's something precious in that gift. And think about this. That Jesus gives us the gift of the promise of prayer, and he wraps it in a gift wrapping paper called persistence. Jesus is teaching us that the promise of prayer is found in persistence. I've, I've wrestled this week. I've, I've asked the Lord, why do I need to persist in prayer? Why do you tell this story to teach us about prayer? In, a, in another passage, Jesus teaches a parable about a, about a widow that goes to this judge persistently seeking justice. And so the question for me, and I'm sure for some of us, is, Jesus, what are you saying? Are you saying God is like a friend that we have to beg to bless us? Why do we have to persist in prayer? The short of it is, I don't know. But he wraps his promise in that. And I think that one of the things we find when we think about, even in the Old Testament, we think about Jacob. His name was changed to Israel in his, in his persistence of wrestling with the Lord. He says to the Lord, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I think that's what we learn in our persistence is that our father invites us into this relationship with him, that we continue to fight and to fight to come back to him. One of the things we think about in our, in our persistence with prayer is that sometimes our prayers are denied and, and delayed because, because we end up asking for serpents instead of fish. Our father, being a good, good father, knows I'm not going to give you a snake because that's going to harm you. Think about, listen, listen to the words from, from James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 on why our prayers are, are denied or, or delayed. He says, you do not have because you, ask, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Our Heavenly Father is good. He's good enough to know that giving you a serpent will harm you. And this is where Jesus' model prayer is important. Because in that prayer, we pray, Father, your kingdom come, not mine. And so in Jesus' prayer, he teaches us submission. And in that submission, we, we trust that his will is good. And as I close, I want to give us two reasons to, to persist in prayer. Two reasons to not give up in praying. I think one, one of the things we see is that we persist in prayer because he's the only one that, that can provide what we need. Where else are you going to go? So if you say, no, I can't, just, I can't just go out and do Uber Eats. Like, if, if I need bread, the, the type of bread I really need, I got to get that from you. 
And so we persist in prayer because he's, he's the only one we can turn to. We see that we persist in prayer because God is more committed to prayer than you are. Let me say that again. God is more committed to prayer than you are. We pray to our Father because it was his plan all along from Old Testament to New that he would be our God and we would be his people. Ephesians 1 tells us that it was God's pleasure and plan that we would be in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name because the book of Acts teaches us that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We find in Luke chapter 13 that Jesus teaches us that our, our good, good father gives us gifts, namely himself. He gives us himself in the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of us, this might feel like one of those moments where you're listening to a record player and the needle kind of skips off beat. It's like, whoop, like, what just happened? I thought we were talking about prayer. What, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with prayer? Why did you bring that into this conversation on prayer? Well, what we find in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 is that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This morning, in prayer, God commits himself to us. Jesus accomplishes prayer for us, and we have the Holy Spirit praying for us. And then, get this, Romans chapter 8, just move on down seven more verses, we find that it is Jesus, Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In prayer, you have God the Father You have Jesus Christ, your brother, praying for you and the Holy Spirit praying for you. Now, how's that for motivation to pray? When you pray, you already find you have two prayer partners. That ought to encourage us this morning to come to him in prayer. If God has committed himself, he's he's committed the son, the Holy Spirit to us in prayer. We have no reason to think that our Father is wrong in denying or delaying our prayers. He's committed himself to you in prayer. And so we come to the Father. We ask, we seek, we knock, because he has made it possible for us to do so. He is more committed to prayer than we will ever know. And if that wasn't enough for you this morning, we ought to pray all the time because Jesus says to us, you've got a friend in me. Jesus says to us this morning, you've got a friend in me. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus is that friend that Proverbs 18 says sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus says to you this morning, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 
Jesus is better than this hypothetical friend in this passage this morning. When we come to Jesus, it's never midnight. He's never asleep. And the door is never locked. The door is always open. And Jesus has all the bread that you could ever need. I I find it amazing that Jesus uses this this hypothetical story to talk about friends and, and friendship regarding everything the Bible says about friends and what he says himself about his friendship to us. There's a glorious truth this morning about Jesus and his friendship to us. This is so amazing, I almost wanted to scrap like 60% of this sermon and just get right to this point. And here's the beautiful thing we find in Jesus this morning. Jesus shows his friendship to you this morning and that Jesus brings you bread this morning. Jesus brings you bread. He brings you bread when you didn't know you needed him. Bread from heaven, bread from heaven, feed me till I want no more. Jesus, he's the the Uber Eats before Uber Eats were even invented. He comes down as sent bread from heaven, sent to us when we didn't know we needed him. We love because Jesus first loved us. We pray because he first prayed for us. We knock and we persist in prayer because Jesus first knocked on the door of our hearts. Listen to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus knocks on your door of your heart this morning and says, I have bread for you. You may not have known I was coming, but I'm bringing you bread. I have enough bread for you, those in your house, and anyone else that you know. He brings bread to us this morning. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace do we often forfeit. What needless pains we bear. All because, all because we do not carry. We stop. We allow our fears and our doubts and the deafening silence to make us stop. Can't you picture the Father and the Holy Trinity this morning? They're leaning out to you like, we've been praying for you. Just come. We already know what you need. Just come. This is what the Father, this is what Jesus is teaching us this morning. That he has brought us bread. Would you just come and receive it this morning? This is what we have in Jesus. We have a friend. We have a brother. And may we always persist in going to the one who has invested all of himself in prayer with us. Let's pray.